Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into The Shack on today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. The Shack is a new religious-themed film that came out a couple of weeks ago. I just got around to seeing it the other day. And normally this isn't the kind of movie that I would uh, do a review episode for. I I didn't rate it very highly. It's not particularly notable. It wasn't getting a lot of buzz. It was doing well at the box office, but not, you know, astoundingly so. It didn't finish first any weekend that it's been out. And the cast isn't really anything to write home about. Sam Worthington is the lead, uh, and Octavia Spencer's there, but that's really about it. But while watching it, the something came to mind that I, I really wanted to kind of talk through for myself, uh, if nothing else. And so... This may be less of a review episode and more of just amusing episode on on this type of film in general, but I wanted to use the shack as the baseline, as as the uh, the the ground floor for this discussion <laughs> discussion for this uh, soliloquy monologue, and and that kind of and it all kind of revolves around uh, religious films in general. I think that, you know, we've had religious films f- for a long time, you know, going back to The Ten Commandments, Ben-Hur, uh, and, and, you know, as, and, and now we've got something, things more along the lines of like Heaven's, Heaven's Not Real, The Shack, for example, um, you know, I also recently watched Jesus Christ Superstar, um, um, probably going to be watching the, the Gospel According to Matthew very soon. Uh, both of those films are part of uh, Zach's Top 200 from the Cinerealists. So, you know, we've had, religious films have been a thing. They, they've existed since forever. Uh, and with good reason, you know, there are a lot of incredibly compelling stories in the Bible. And, you know, they, they inherently present... Uh, moral dilemmas, which make films interesting to watch, you know, uh, Gibson made passion, or, you know, you've got Passion of the Christ, and, uh, you know, that's the, and these are mostly just, you know, monotheistic Christian Catholic religions, and that's not even including Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and, and many others, so, it's it's tough you know i'm i'm probably i'm mostly going to focus on on the christianity films uh as as best i can i haven't seen a ton of films religious based films that aren't uh christian films so i can't i don't feel as comfortable speaking on them as i do christian films which even to that point, I haven't seen a lot of Christian films. You know, I myself am not religious. I have never been religious. I grew up uh, without any, you know, without any, if anything, I, I guess I kind of 
I was raised by people who were not religious, but uh, another part of my family is fairly religious, I would say, and would take me to church when I was very young. Uh, at one point, eventually, I became old enough to say, no, I don't want to go. And while I think it really struck a chord, and I don't think that it went over very well, I was not forced to go again, and uh, haven't, <laughs> uh, to, to my own uh, pleasure. I am pretty staunchly atheist. I think that and I don't want this to kind of turn into all about my views on religion. That's not the point I'm trying to get across, just sort of to give you some sort of a background of where my mindset is at in as far as this discussion and topic is concerned. I feel, you know, I'm, I'm very logically minded uh, in this sense. I don't think that I, I think that, you know, I look at the problem of where did, how did life begin? Where did it come from? And I think that when I look at that problem, I personally, I don't know. You know, I'm not a scientist. I am not a priest. I am not a biologist. I am not an astrologist, an astronomer, an astronaut. I haven't seen the world from outside of itself. I haven't you know, looked through a telescope into deep space. I haven't studied microorganisms. I don't know these things. This is, these are all, and you know, I haven't studied faith. And, and these are all things that uh, are, are, are in some sense looking for that answer to some degree. And because I don't know, and because there are all of these people, Christians, scientists, uh, people of Islam, uh, people in, you know, Jews, um, Buddhists, all these people are, are looking for that, the answers to these questions. And for me, since, since there is no answer, and since various people have claimed to have the answer, and then other people have claimed that their answer, that answer is wrong, and that they have the actual answer, and so on and so on and so forth, you know, we don't have the answer. We don't know. We have a, you know, scientists have a Big Bang Theory. Christians have God uh, and, and so forth. And uh, unless one of those things becomes fact, then, you know, what's, no one knows the real truth of the matter. Myself, however, I'm, I'm looking at all of these things and my view is that there's definitely a sense of why why would we think that there's a god you know that is the question in my head why would people you know what what makes us as a species so put so so willing to put faith in a higher power in an all-knowing deity and I don't really, I don't have a really good answer for that question. I think that for some people, it's a sense of security. It's a sense of answering an unanswerable question with what they perceive to be the simplest solution. And I don't begrudge them that reason. I think 
I think for a good number of people and probably far too many people that it is simply what they've always learned uh, either through their parents, either through their schooling or the people around them in some other capacity, uh, which I find, I think is a tragic problem. Uh, You know, I don't believe in God. I don't know if my partner will believe in God or not. I haven't met them yet, I don't think. And, but but I, I have no desire to force my future kids to believe or not believe in anything. I will present them with options and give them as much information as I can so that they can choose the appropriate thing for themselves. And so, whatever the reason a human being has to believe in a god or many gods or no god, at the end of the day, the majority of films, in my opinion, don't have religious undertones or overtones. Uh, you know, they, they might, you know, someone might yell out, in a, in a swear, oh God, oh my God, or something like that. Some people may reference hell, fucking hell, what the hell, oh my, hell, uh, that doesn't really make sense. But those are, that's mostly because that exclamation, those phrases have become so ingrained in us as exclamations that even for people who don't believe in those things, they still exclaim them. I, I exclaim them, and I don't believe in those things. So I know other people do. But, like, films that really revolve around religion, like The Shack, uh, like a Passion of the Christ, like a whatever, uh, films that feature pastors and priests very heavily, films that... Um, films with prayer in them, you know, these are things that, for the most part, I think, are a smaller portion of films uh, adhere to those aspects. You know, you can look at films like Star Wars, where it's not God, it's the Force, and it's, you know, instead of peace be with you, it's may the force be with you. And in Rogue One, when, uh, what's his name? Uh, Donnie Yen, you know, you know, blind, walks through that battle, you know. Yes, he, he, in the film, is claiming to have been one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. You know, that's, that's just a moniker for, for God. And so I, I'm including films in that sense as religious, uh, hued films, okay? Now, you know, you look at a film like the Lego Batman movie. Uh, I'm sure you can find religious tones in it, probably. I think it's very difficult uh, considering how expansive and uh, referential the Bible is in the this day and age, but I don't think that you 
come out of that movie thinking about Christianity or Buddhism or Judaism. So my problem is when your movie isn't referencing religion in a Star Wars sort of way or in a Superman sort of way, and it is doing something like The Shack where the pivotal point of the movie revolves around religion where your character is struggling with their faith and is presented with something that is intended to confirm or deny what they believe how do you how do i as someone who does not believe in god rationalize this as a movie and i was as i was watching the shack uh from the moment where sam worthington's character reaches this shack which appears as a summer paradise in the middle of a winter forest. And the only way I could wrap my head around it is as fantasy. And on Letterboxd, as it turns out, the one of the two genres for the film is fantasy. It is a fantasy drama. And I want to take that a step further. So... The idea of this being a fantasy is that there, there just wouldn't and can't be a part of one of a forest in the middle of winter with snow. Part of that forest is not going to feel like summer. And there aren't going to be human beings walking and running on water. And there isn't going to be a person appearing as a woman and then as a man. There isn't going to be, you know, all these things. You know, the, the, the things presented in this movie are not things that we know to be real in in life. And because they're not also they're not, you know, science fiction, they have to be fantasy. And that's the only way that I can rationalize them. Now, if I attempt to look at this through the eyes of a believer, I don't think that that person thinks that these things are really happening either. I think, you know, we've seen enough movies about someone meeting God to sort of be able to take a step back and say, well, no, that's not really what happens. And, you know, kind of grain of salt, this film as such a, as more of a hallucination, as more of an experience than a real event and a real uh, historical moment, a miracle, if you may if you will. And so I got to thinking like, well, that's kind of how it it kind of, it's kind of similar to movies with talking animals in them. So, so animated films like, like Zootopia, uh, is Zootopia a fantasy film? Uh, yes. Is, and is the shack a fantasy film? Yes. But does that mean that every film based on religion is a fantasy film? Well, no, it it doesn't. Uh, You know, I wouldn't say uh, something like My Blue Heaven is not a fantasy film. Or uh, uh, the, the, let me see, to that, to the same degree, I wouldn't say The Secret Life of Pets is a fantasy film. You know, like the animals in The Secret Life of Pets talk to each other but not to humans in in english at least 
Whereas something like The Planet of the Apes is a fantasy film, even the new ones, because, well, they're more science fiction, but, but to the same degree, they're, they're not reality-based. And so I want to find the, the, the threshold of why religious films are, in some cases, fantasy, in some cases, not. Is it simply bringing the Bible to life? Because there are elements of the Bible that historically happened. You know, there was someone named Jesus alive at some point. Uh, you know, we we use his 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 uh, you know we use his life as a reference point in what year it is. Like that's an incredibly important number. You know, it's 2017, and it's not 2017 because we started recording years 2017 years ago. It's because of, you know, Jesus. And, you know, we have him as a sacrificial person, sacrificing himself for our sins. We have him leading the Jews across the desert, or we have Jews being led across the desert. We have all of these different elements of the Bible, which whether they are embellished or not, there are a good number of things in that book that are based on real things. So is a movie like, Oh, uh, Ridley Scott's movie from two years ago, the religious one with, with, with Christian Bale. Oh, shoot, what is it? Christian Bale. Uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. I had gods and I kept saying gods and monsters or, or anyway, uh, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Is that really, like, what, what does that fit in fantasy? I don't know if I what I labeled it as. I label so so on my spreadsheet that movie is an adventure drama. It's based on real things, but it has like plagues in it. You know, how real are plagues in in our life? When have we when was the last plague that you saw or experienced? Do we feel like it, it? It makes sense, you know. This is the story of Moses and the real Egyptian pharaoh Ramses. It's a tough. It's a. It's a tough question. I. Part of me thinks that as long as if if. You know, the idea of fantasy is if the thing couldn't happen in real life, it's not real. It's it's a fantasy. And so there's this there's this mindset that if you know, if it's based on religion or at least a uh, uh, religious people using religion just in everyday life that it, that it's reality. But if the movie indicates that uh, God or Jesus or whoever 
from from religion is acting it has agency in the film does that not make it a fantasy so let's look at something like silence uh you know at is silence are the things that happen in silence that aren't real things are they hallucinations from andrew garfield's character or are they actually moments of god stepping in and answering a question and if they are not hallucinations does that be make silence a fantasy film i i i don't know i it's very hard to qualify religion in movies and i i don't I don't necessarily think that there's a, anything wrong with that. I think generally, at the end of a movie, it's fairly simple and fairly straightforward to know whether or not what you just watched was fantastical or based in reality. And if you look around our reality, there are quite a number of people who pray on a daily basis, who attend church on a weekly basis, who wear symbols of their faith, who... Uh, uh, believe in a God who look to the heavens for an answer, who uh, think that things that happen in the world are miracles and seeing those, and for those people, especially when they see similar things in a movie, I don't think that they think they're watching a fantasy film. But for someone like me and others of that don't believe, or if you believe in something other than what the film you're watching is is buying into does that become a fantasy film for you and and at what point does it stop being a fantasy film if they stop short of showing god but they have his voice speaking to a character in a dream is that god in the shack i definitely think it's a fantasy film but and and heavy spoiler alert heavy spoiler alert but we're it's revealed to us or or at least suggested very much suggested that the entire experience at the shack in the summer section segment of the film is just a coma dream you know sam worthington falls asleep and then wakes up quote unquote 2 days later and then we're, we're even like ripped out of that imaginary scenario where what actually happened is he got hit by a truck and never made it to the shack in the first place. Like that in and of itself is an issue. But if the shack's experiences are not real experiences and they're just a dream, is this ever a fantasy? Or is this just reality and we're just watching his dream if the movie is just his dream does that make it fantasy but we see at the end of the movie that this experience has had a profound effect on sam worthington's character and his this this impact has forever changed who he is so at the very least he believes it's real and tim mcgraw's character believes that he did experience these things and rada mitchell's character believes that he experienced these things is that enough 
if the characters buy into the scenario, no matter how outlandish, no matter how much proof we have that it wasn't something that actually happened, can it really be called fantasy? I don't, I don't know. I tend to think that it doesn't matter because if you look at a movie like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the people that the, those kids know in real life don't have to believe that, those, that the kids were really in another world. They don't have to believe that they met, a, they met Mr. Tumnus. They don't have to believe in Aslan for those things to be in the kids other in these kids minds real but if the kids didn't believe it does that make it real reality with like a dream sequence how in depth and how intimate does a dream sequence have to be before it be- turns a film into a fantasy at what point can we stop looking at a film at what point in a dream sequence do we start to think, well, this isn't really happening? And when movies do something like that where they present an, they present something and it starts to become a little bit strange, it starts to become a little bit outlandish, and then it finally reaches a breaking point where your mind won't accept the reality you're being presented with, and then a, suddenly the film reveals its hand as fake as a dream your character wakes up like with a bolt they are brought back to consciousness they are returned from their coma uh they whatever if that film doesn't make that move and continues on in this fantasy dreamlike state for an extended period of time is it still real i I'm not sure. I I think it's very difficult to pin down the specifics of these genres in this way. I, you know, I have my own issues with clarification and defining terms. And I, I think that language and words and letters and, uh, sounds are so, you know, infinite in combination that to not have a specific definition or to not be able to differentiate these kinds of subtleties with different words is very problematic. And <laughs> I hate to bring this topic up, but I think something that was recent I was recently discussing at work with my coworkers, you know, I live in the United States of America. The United States of America is part of North America. North America is a continent. These are all facts. These are all things we know. Canada is part of North America. Mexico is part of North America. We're still good. Hawaii is part of the United States of America. Agreed. Therefore, following that premise, if Hawaii is part of the United States of America and the United States of America is part of North America, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. 
Hawaii is part of North America. However, it's not. It, it, it actually isn't. Because a continent isn't islands. It's like its own thing. You know, it's this one big, large mass of land. North America, Antarctica, Australia, South America, uh, Eurasia, uh, going back in time, Pangaea. So, like, I don't mind that continent means that thing. That's fine. But if that's the case, then I, but if we're going to continue to use a term like that, we shouldn't use, we shouldn't refer to North America as a continent. We should refer to it as a term that inc would include Hawaii. So simply finding out, finding a term that says every country you know, in a specific area is part of a, like a continent is just a group of countries, you know, like something like that. A country is a collected area under federal rule, under a single federal rule or something like that for a country. And a continent is a group of selected areas, each under their own rule or whatever you want to call it, in such a way that Hawaii being part of the United States of America makes it also part of North America, and so on and so forth. So, to call, so to reference, so so to make religion a fant a fantasy element of movies, or to have some sort of fuzzy line that sets a limit and and threshold of when a certain level of religious material makes a movie fantasy what what's the why <laughs> i i don't i i want to know i, I want a better understanding uh, and i want a more specific explanation for this for this thing because religious you know, we have this subsection of movies called religious movies, but religion in and of itself is not a widely accepted genre. I don't use it on my spreadsheet. It's not on Letterboxd. It's not on IMDb. So, you know, you might be able to go to a movie store and find a religious section or a religion and spirit spirituality section, but f more often than not, Genres don't include religion. So, what can we do about this? Do we make religion a, a genre? Is it not just somewhat of a subsection of fantasy? Because, you know, you cannot, there is no definitive proof of any one religion being wholly correct and regardless of the amount of faith and support that any particular religion has there's no you know if 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 there was a religion that had everything perfectly correct and knew knew that to be fact you would assume that that would be the predominant opinion and and belief of the world 
You know, if someone came to me and said, I found this new religion, I can prove that it answers all your questions here. And if that, if those answers did not require me to have blind faith in something or things or it, then I would probably agree with it. I, I don't see how I could deny it based on those parameters at the very least. So by that, so, so logically thinking it out in that sense, no religion right now has a monopoly on the belief systems of the world claim can, 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 can honestly claim to be factually correct. And I, I include science in that. I, I, you know, as great as we think science is, and I think it's pretty great, it doesn't have all the answers. And until it does, it's going to be met with skepticism by a lot of believers. And so this sort of classification of genre and the placement of religious films is a film that follows the story of Jesus, like Jesus Christ Superstar, inherently fantasy, or is it just a drama because it's based on real events? But is it, I, I don't know, like how much, how far would you have to stretch the truth for it to become a fantasy? And how far is the truth already stretched in the films that we're getting, like Passion of the Christ and like Jesus Christ Superstar and like Ben-Hur? It's, uh, it's tough. It's difficult to answer these questions. And I don't know that there is an answer. I think that maybe in, in just fashion, the answers to these questions themselves are a bit undecipherable in the same way that these questions might apparently be. You know, I can sit here and pontificate about if, you know, let's say that there's a religious scale for movies to fall on. If something is a, a two, it's reality. If it's a three, well, now it's veering into fantasy. But you can't even say that. You have to be definitive about it. So if a two is not fantasy, and if a three is not fantasy, but a four is fantasy, then every movie that satisfies whatever a four is on the religious scale is a fantasy film. Does that, you know, would that include The Shack? Would that include Jesus Christ Superstar? Would that include Passion of the Christ? Would that include Silence? Would that include, would that include, would that include? And what, you know, how present does God have to be? How, you know, how much human identity do we have to ascribe to God before it becomes f fallacious in nature? Is Morgan Freeman from Bruce Almighty, if God created humans in his own image, or as or to quote, man in his own image, 
then maybe Morgan Freeman as God is fairly accurate. You know, maybe Octavia Spencer is fairly accurate as God. But does creating God as a character, as an actor in a movie, does that impact the way we're going to view this movie as far as whether or not it's fantastical or real? If we see someone on the street who claims that they are God, your first response isn't going to be, I I don't know, your first response isn't going to believe them, probably, believer or not, you know, you can't just assume that because that's, you know, that's crazy. Even, you know, people who believe in God would call that crazy. And so, uh, it feels like there is a very, very significant amount of conflict in this issue. And it's sort of frustrating. I don't know. I, I, don't think I, I don't think I've gotten any closer to answering this question for myself. But maybe, I feel like I'll probably listen back to this and see a couple of different avenues of thought that I probably should have taken during this discussion. Hmm. I don't know. Either way, either way, bad as a movie, I think that detaching myself and considering it a fantasy film allowed me to enjoy it more. And I think that, you know, the the film is very much about forgiveness. And I think forgiveness is an incredible element, an incredible tool, an incredible thing that humans have the capacity for. And I think the, the problem is twofold. One, I think people don't forgive each other enough. And two, I think that this movie considers forgiveness to be far more powerful than it really is. And, and it's a great thing, and it is a very powerful thing. But it is not the end-all, be-all of emotional stability. And I know that Graham Greene claims in the movie, like, it's not just, you don't just say it once, you just have to constantly repeat it, and it's not going to get easier until it does. That's, I think that's sort of what he says. But it's, it's, more, like, it's more than that, you know? It's, a, it's not a mantra. You know, I can't, you know, I can forgive somebody for cutting me off in the street. I can forgive somebody for running into me in the store. I can forgive somebody for, uh, you know, not making themselves known and scaring me. I can forgive somebody for teasing me or pulling a prank on me. I can forgive somebody for saying something hurtful. But that doesn't, the film, this film doesn't address and doesn't spend enough time on the ramifications and the fallout of forgiveness. And, uh, you know, I think 
this is kind of a deep cut here, but I think in The Lion King 2, there's a reference to how the animals will forgive um, Kovu for being the son of Scar, but they're not going to forget. They, they remember who he is. They know who he is. They remember who his father was and what his father did and how terrifying and terrible those situations were. So just because you forgive somebody does not give them a clean slate. I think that that is incredibly true. You know, if, if it weren't, then why... Then, then, then there's no recourse. There's no repercussions. There's no consequences. And there are consequences. There's consequences for everything. Good and bad. And... Forgiveness in no way diminishes the need for consequences. You know, I can forgive someone for murdering a member of my family, but I don't think that that should ever, ever supersede that person's uh, need to go to jail or suffer whatever punishment may be fitting of the thing that they did. So, the shack is, it touches on a very profound idea, but it doesn't see it through to the end. And that's the main fault that the movie undergoes. Um, And the other thing is the, like, double fake out of the whole thing being a dream is stupid. It's just stupid. Why twice? Why do you have to do it twice? You just need one thing. It's all we need. We don't care. You know, if it's just going to be one thing, why can't he just be back in the truck getting hit by the car if you need him to be in the hospital for some reason? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I'm tired. Thank you for listening. I hope this wasn't too boring. If you have any other questions, if you want to correct something that I said or provide an answer to one of my rhetorical questions, I would be happy to listen to any and all of them. You can send those comments, concerns, questions, or answers to circleoffilm at gmail.com. For any and all other information, you can go to circleoffilm.com to find information on the Circle of Film Awards, the scavenger hunt status, and older episodes, as well as snapshots of the spreadsheet and information about me. Thank you for listening once again, and as always... Have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.